History Month, and I have to thank Dr. Ian Adams, who I've known for a very, very long time, uh, for helping to set up today's interview. There's going to be an amazing uh, Black History Month Zoom happening Sunday at 10 a.m., and it's going to feature guest artist Oseyende Baruti and also you, Michael Oliver Armstrong. And Michael Oliver Armstrong um, was born and raised in Pasadena. I spent much time there when I was working at K-Rock Radio in Pasadena ages ago. Uh, Mr. Armstrong has a, a Master in Public Administration, MPA, and he explores the impact of public policy on individuals and marginalized communities. His current role is a uh, real estate investor and insurance agent. Um, you're very, very involved with uh, many things. Uh, you've got a master's degree from California State University, a bachelor's degree from Azusa Pacific University, and a paralegal certificate from the University of California at UCLA. So go there all the time. Also, um, you've worked 45 years in the county of Los Angeles and uh, done tax collecting, and you volunteer and help as substance abuse counselor. Quite a long list. And you're also, of course, a member of the National Advancement uh, for Colored People Los Angeles branch. So it's very good to have you on the line right now. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine today. And yourself? Really good. And, and you know, um, I think you're probably aware that um, there's been a, um, a longstanding um, involvement of wonderful people, very, very dedicated to uh, bringing awareness to the African-American community. Um, in Hawaii and on Maui, um, particularly here, uh, with the help of some wonderful people. So I was really excited to talk to Ayanna about what she's planning for the Zoom. Um, and, and I guess, how did you get involved from here to there and there to here? Oh. Well, I, I'm a, um, uh, Dr. Shirley uh, Davenport, she had uh, contacted me ah. and uh, asked me would I be a guest and would I speak which I, I'm humbled and honored, as she asked me. Well, it's, you know, it's so important at this time, um, every month at least, to have some focus. And I guess a lot of what you do probably is education as well, right? Yes. Yes, I do. And, and I'd hope with education becomes um, there's more awareness. And I think there is becoming more awareness. How do you feel about the state? of um um we have we have the state of union coming up here after my show um actually at four o'clock today here but how do you feel about the state with the awareness you know what i'm seeing michael is i'm seeing that we are becoming aware of the problem but we still have a long ways to go as we become aware of the problem of how do we solve these difficult issues and i know you were going to talk a little bit about the situation with the police so how, how do you balance out those scales? Yes, um, mainly to become aware, and I believe that um, all fathers should have what I call the talk uh, with their sons. I think it's very important to just keep them alive, to, you know, to keep, mm. if they go out, to have them come home uh, safe. Um, I think that um, the... Uh, the police has the upper hand, you know, when they stop their, uh, especially young um, black youth, uh, boys and girls, you know, men and women, that uh, they, they should, uh, if it's a traffic, a simple traffic stop, you mm -hmm. know, keep your hands on the wheel mm -hmm. um, and, and be as uh, compliant as possible, mm -hmm. you know, don't, no sudden moves and and just try to stay safe, you know, because life is so uh, valuable. I just heard uh, just heard a few minutes ago that one of the uh, police officers that uh, had killed uh, Tyree Nichols in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, he took pictures of, uh, of Mr. Nichols after the beating and on his personal cell phone and sent wow. it out to about five people. I just got the news. Wow, that gave you know that's I, that's I chilling. I don't know if it's something personal or, or wow. what you know. Wow, that's chilling. I think what yeah. it was interesting in this last case was that it was the visuals, of course, were there, and it's for that to see. But I think some people were shocked, and I heard some discussions about, well, these were black officers. How could black officers attack 
that violently uh, a black person. And I think that we have to really explore the fact that there can be violence um, still, obviously, in this situation. There's been a big push to have uh, and integrate more uh, police departments with, with black people, which is a first step. But then then we realized, again, the problem isn't just that. Did When we saw the situation, weren't you shocked as well? Yes, I was. And I believe what happened is that these uh, black officers, these five black officers, forgot that they were black. Mm. And they thought that nothing would happen. Uh, because uh, they, you know, lied on the police report um, that he resisted arrest, and that's why they they beat him and and tasered him, uh, and um, and they don't know why he uh, he he died, but I think that they they thought that they would get away with it, yeah. you know, um, and I, and once again they they forgot that they were black, and they didn't realize it would only take twenty days before their their charge was uh, second degree murder you know yeah and and again in this education and awareness process um you know we 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 look back at the history uh that dr martin luther king jr left us you know um and Mm -hmm. and i think we're still and i i'd like your opinion on this i think we're still listening to those words seeing those words and and going wow that was what happened then. Now, some of the things have made, there's been steps forward, but have we done enough? And you, and, and obviously, I, I think you'd know the question, right? I mean, obviously, when we see these issues now, I guess we have not done enough, right? Right. You know, um, I think some of us, you know, we try to do all we can. Like, I'm writing articles uh, for the Pasadena Journal. Um, I'm I have a black history calendar that I have available to uh, different people, and, and especially my uh, grandchildren. My, I have my um, 11-year-old uh, grandchild, you know, reading the articles that I write mm-hmm. on uh, black history. And um, I, I, I read the letter from the Birmingham jail that uh, Martin Luther King wrote. And even back then, some of the uh, white clergymen had said that he was moving too fast. He needs to slow down. Mm. And why is he coming to Birmingham? Mm. Why does he Why does he stay in his lane in Atlanta and Georgia and and let us handle our own problems? And uh, Dr. King had said that uh, you know that, that our our moms and our 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 fathers and our are being murdered and slaughtered. You know something has to be done. Problems we're moving too slow. And we're just going to have to show, use our bodies. You know, we, we may get beaten, but um, but we just have to, you know, keep going forward, you know, no matter what. You know, we, we can't yeah. wait any longer. We just yeah. have to keep on moving forward. And you have to wonder no how many what. people are going to be sacrificed and are still being sacrificed, I mean, over the years yeah. since since Martin Luther King. Uh, Junior died and was was killed. I mean, think of all the others that have had to stand in line. Um, And some knowingly, you know, some very knowingly, and then some not. Now, I'd like to ask you personally, because, you know, you're in Los Angeles. I was born in Los Angeles and raised. um, And how do you feel when you interact with people in your community and talk to people who have issues? How do you feel that you're doing in Los Angeles now? You mean when I interact with people who have uh, dealt with the police? Yeah, or? yeah. When you hear stories and interact, yeah. Well, um, I'm listening, and I'm you know trying to get all the facts. And I, what I'm trying to push is uh, voting. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, for one thing. Yeah. And um, I'm also trying to deal with the uh, mental health of of people. I've talked to. Um, at the time, I talked to the mayor of Los Angeles, um, you know, before uh, she was elected, uh, Karen Bass, mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, a lot of the problems with the with the houseless or the homeless is that it, it's, a, it's a mental health problem, you know, yeah. along with uh, alcohol and drug problem, you know, that it's a mental health. Yeah. And we have to deal with the mental health problem. And there is a, a number now that uh, that's in Los Angeles, and I guess perhaps all over the country, where if you're having um, a mental health episode, uh, you can call that number to get help. 
you know. Well, I, I, you know, I think that's, again, a step. But we see this, of course, here, too. There are people that do have mm. drug problems. There are people that have alcohol problems. There are people um, that have mental health problems not related to drug and alcohol. I mean, I'd say those mm-hmm. are, you know, that oftentimes they do um, overlap. And then there's another category, which, unfortunately, I don't know if people have explored enough, which is those that are having mental health issues that may be on drugs, which may not be compatible with other things they may be taking or may cause damage to that particular person. You know and I know if someone has uh, um, schizoid uh, or a situation with bipolar, it can take for someone to actually get diagnosed properly. It can take months to get the proper proper medications. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not an easy thing to just say, oh, you're bipolar, take your meds. Um, mm-hmm. How often do they really, or is there time and money enough to really deal with people who have episodes? I don't know if there have been studies done about uh, situation in mental health and how much this is related to, to situations where there have been problems um, that have been ending in unfortunate um, situations where there has been um, stops and death or maybe situations. We do hear every now and then about people that were stopped that had some mental health issues. Do, do, do you see that in your, your research and studies? Do you see that as an issue? Yes, uh, very much so. Um, in Los Angeles, there's uh, three uh, men have died from police bullets, and all three had uh, mental health problems. Um, the last one of the last ones was a double amputee. I you know, saw and, that. Uh, I saw that. That was, and, uh, that was and heartbreaking. He couldn't even, he couldn't even, he couldn't even walk. He was, you know, trying to, you know, he was trying to get away, but the problem was he was trying to get away from the police, but they still shot him in the back, you know, just yeah. one after another. They went into the kitchen of one and he was trying to use a chair to protect himself, and yeah. uh, they shot and killed him. I and, saw uh, that. Uh, yeah, that was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. That was heartbreaking. Um, I it have was, s- and especially, especially uh, a visitor. He was uh, he was from um, the East Coast, I think uh, Washington, uh, D.C., and he was here on a visit, you know, to the Los Angeles area, and he was a school teacher. Oh, no. And he had a, a, a child. Wow. You know, and they, they killed him. I did not know that information behind it. I think we have someone else yeah. on the line right now. Um, I'm sorry, who's 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 calling in? Aloha, Awinola, Kauko. This is Dr. Shirley oh. Davenport. Oh, thank you, Shirley. We've got on the other line here. Um, I'm having a very deep conversation with the wonderful man, Michael Oliver Armstrong. I'm sure you know him because I think you asked him to be a part of the Zoom broadcast at the African-American uh, on Maui Association is having it Sunday, Sunday at ten o'clock. Um, so Shirley, thank you so much for calling in. You're very welcome. And I think I take it this is Cindy. Yes, it is. And and um, you know maybe you can join with Michael here because um, we're we're trying to discuss how the big step between awareness um, of the issue and the problems that are facing um, the Black community and the education, and then where you go to make the changes after the awareness. Um, our last little talk here was about the problem with sometimes mental illness and how that's not being treated properly and it can cause problems and incidents as well. Um, so, so Michael, do you want to ask Shirley or do you want to have a carry discussion? You can both hear each other. Do you want to have a little discussion about this and carry that on? Uh, sure. Um, uh, Dr. Shirley, uh, what I was talking about was the uh, three... Uh, young men were uh, killed by the um, Los Angeles Police Department, and the last one was the uh, amputee, you know, and he was trying to get away, with a, and he had a mental uh, problem, and his, um, either his sister or his mother uh, stated, go out and get some air, and that's when the uh, police had found him and uh, killed him, then they had to the one before that, it was a visitor from um, from the East Coast, Washington D.C., and he was uh, came to L.A. on a vacation, and he had a, a young son, and uh, he, this he was also a school teacher, and the police had killed him. and And the thing about it is, I think the, the main thing is mental issues that they have. They they want to get help. Instead of sending the police, they should send 
maybe a social, you know, calmly and, and, and try to de-escalate yes. the situation. And the situation was Tyree Nichols, out of all those black police officers and him, he was the only one trying to um, de-escalate the situation. You know, he was saying, you, you guys are doing too much. And they were beating him, and he said, you guys are just doing too much. You don't need to be doing this. You know, um, it, it was backwards. Yes, when the victim got to be the one to try to de-escalate the situation. <laughs> you know what I just thought of, and you brought this up, I think it's interesting, and I just have Leslie coming in and joining me. It's good to see you, Leslie. Um, you know what? You know, I, I'm just kind of epiphany here. You know what? You're so right, um, Michael. I think that there needs to be a whole force, not the police force, but those who are really trained actual people who know how to de-escalate and know how to deal with mental health issues that are negotiators, not policemen in these situations, and they should be available. I mean, Leslie is joining us now. Leslie, what do you have to say about something like that? Yes, and good afternoon, and thank you, everyone. I I totally agree. Um, Being a social worker myself who also has worked a a great deal of my career in law enforcement, one of the things is that we say is that we need people to effectively handle these situations that are trained in de-escalation, that are trained in mental health, that can respond to situations such as this. So, uh, you know, supporting law enforcement to be able to do what they're supposed to do. But there's so much that is put on law enforcement that should not be their responsibility. If someone's in a mental health crisis, send a mental health professional there to help with the situation. We need to have proper training on de-escalation. We need to fund our mental health services, fund our education, fund these things. And it's a reallocation of services so that we can support the people that are doing the work so that we can have healthy communities. When we look about the origins of policing, especially here in Hawaii and in America, um, they're not great origins. They were more to oppress. And so if we can get to what really keeps people safe, I think we'll be on a lot better um, footing and engaging the community. How does the community want to be kept safe? What does safety look like for them? Because a lot of times safety doesn't look like that police presence. But if we invite people to the table, we can get so much more done. Very well said, Leslie. Yeah, yeah thank you. Um, Shirley, I wanted to bring you in because it's a, you know now a three-way, four-way conversation. Um, you know what? Leslie said some interesting things, but the, here's the situation. You have these police officers, high adrenaline, um, charged up on who knows what. Maybe too many donuts. I'm sorry if I'm making it. But, you know, they're, they're definitely, their adrenaline's going crazy. And we can see in these videos how they're completely losing it. So in those situations, I can't imagine someone that was a negotiator coming down in time to stop this unless they were present in the backseat of a police car or something. What do you, how would you solve this situation, Shirley? Well, truly, if we had to put a, a psychologist or somebody in the back of the police cars, we wouldn't have any for clinic, clinical service in the clinic. It's true. <laughs> because the workforce isn't that huge. Yep. Uh, what, what, what strikes me to the core on, on this, uh, simply calling it what it is, police brutality, is a lot of them work out and they're probably on steroids and they probably have a drug problem or yeah. alcohol problem themselves. They drink all the time, the buddy-buddy kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Not every single one of them, but quite a few of them. So they need mental health evaluations before they get hired mm-hmm. and what their background history is, you know. I, I've worked so much with domestic violence where there is not necessarily mental health and the the perpetrator is the officer. Uh, they create so many Stockholm syndrome in women who's afraid to leave them. That is the I truth. I work with these people. That's the truth. Yep. So and, it and starts with the problem. Yeah. And the problem in this instance is social control among the black community by policing as well as the mental health issues that the police officers have themselves. I couldn't help but think, and maybe you can join in on this, Michael, because I know you've been dealing with this a long time. A lot of police officers sometimes are former veterans of war. And 
oftentimes those people are already kind of gone through some situations that can be triggered, I think, very easily um, in situations. And, and, and sometimes they're security officers. And sometimes there are situations in their history that could indeed trigger something. This what, What's your idea on that, Michael? Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I, I, I mentioned the mayor, uh, Karen Bass, and um, she has some requirements um, that many people were upset because she decided to keep the, uh, the police chief that's in charge now, Michael Moore. But she made some requirements. One of the requirements is that all police officers, every police officer, go through a mental health training, you know, uh, and there and there's no uh, ifs and buts about that, no excuses. They all have to go through a mental health training in order to keep their job mm. uh, for number one. And I know it's going to be difficult to have a, uh, a social worker uh, in the car or nearby, mm-hmm. you know, at, at all times because, um, like, uh, they're on steroids. Uh, they're all they're all, they're hepped up and they and they want to go and they want to do something and um, and and they're trigger happy, so um, that's one good thing and um, and and I believe that uh, you were talking about the veterans of war. Mm-hmm. A lot of the some of the uh, insurrectionists who uh, stormed the Capitol on yes. January sixth were police officers. You know, a couple of years ago, they yeah. were veterans of war. They had been in the in the, in the army. Mm-hmm. Or they've been in the service, and, 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 a, and a few of them were uh, police officers. Yep, I, you know, I, I and, remember um, that. Yep, and, so, and that's the uh, state of mind. That's the consciousness that these people take on, as we are going to fight, right? And that's the kind of, you know, we, we, and without a battle to fight on, they come home, and sometimes the battles on the streets here of America. I think that you're bringing up right. a, a very, very good you point. Know, very good point. They're fighting somebody, and they, they they don't care who it is. They just want to fight and you know storm the Capitol and storm the seat of democracy. And I, they forgot, you know, the police officers that killed uh, uh, Tyree. Um, they forgot they were they were black and, um, and 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 thought nothing would happen. And the same with the um, some of the people that people that stormed the uh, Capitol. You know, they, oh, nothing's going to happen. You know, because they had a, a former president who did what he, whatever he wanted to do, and nothing happened to him. So they thought that nothing would happen to them. And, and he got them reared up and ready to go and got them on steroids, ready to go. Let, let's storm the Capitol, you know, no matter what. You know. so, surely- so I think that, uh, that uh, the mayor, Karen Bass, who I met and also Dr. Shirley I've met, is moving in the right direction mm-hmm. and wanting to have every officer have training in uh, mental health situations. Yeah. And and to that point, if I may, I absolutely agree, and I honor and mahalo um, Mayor Bass for having that mandate. It's We need to have mandates like that right here at home. I grew up here in Maui. I want Maui to be a safe place um, for women, girls, and people to raise their families, to go to school, to work. And if we're thinking about those things and we look at the things that actually keep people safe, um, as uh, yeah. Dr. Shirley talked about, making sure we fund our clinics so that if people are in a stressful situation or before it even gets there, let's normalize getting mental health care. Let's normalize that. Let's normalize that for um, within the black community and let's normalize that here in Hawaii and, and, and far beyond. Let's normalize that for our police officers. Let's, let's have it be a mandate and let's normalize people seeking help. If you get shot in the leg, you wanna go see a doctor, right? If you if yeah. your health if your mental health isn't well, go see a professional can who can help you before we have not one more hashtag, not one more hashtag. I do this work as an attorney and a social worker. My very best friend was murdered by her husband um, while mm. their child was an infant. She sought the help of the police. She sought help, Definitely. and she lost her life. I have and seen this too many times. Too many People times. do not realize on Maui. What a terrible, terrible situation it is for domestic for violence. For domestic violence. And you brought up a good point that, that, yes, sometimes these are police officers, and sometimes they think they have the right, because they are a police officer, to be a bully in their own homes. And they yeah. don't. I, I've seen it, too, and it's terrible. We've yeah. got a terrible situation here. And I hope by, you know, people like you, Shirley, 
Um, I'd like to have you chime in. I'm sorry, we've been kind of hogging the time. What do you, what do you think about the situation and how it can be helped as far as people seeking mental health? I gotta agree. There is a lot of stigma uh, behind seeking help, and especially for mental health. But you know, ment- your mental stability is uh, just as important as your physical strength and your physical ability as well as your your cognitive ability. So if you got the ability to think clearly, then you need to have the ability to reason, to go, go be logical, reason, as well as um, be able to to, to uh, assess a situation. Because mm. sometimes the things that they rush into is not a problem, like the videotape. It shows no problem with Tyre with uh, Tyree mm-hmm. driving, mm-hmm. but they saying he was driving all haphazardous, and they had to stop him. They could have reassessed that and say, "Is that a problem? Is he really driving?" Yeah. And not even approach the car or try to drive, put him on a high speed chase or anything. And uh, so, I, I I take it back to mental health checkups. Um, we have to have a, a physical every year on our jobs. We should have to have a mental checkup every year on our job. We have to have annual TB tests. We should be having annual yes. mental health exams. On and but and you know we do have. Uh, I also sit on the board of the uh, Oahu Area Service Board for Mental Health and Substance Abuse for the governor. I was appointed and. Um, we have mental health first aid. It's a very simple program. And we have the CBI, too, uh, the CTS, the um, de-escalation training that we send the police officers through. And those trainings are so brief that they really don't get to the nuts and bolts as to why it's important that they need these kind of training as well as a mental health uh, first aid is not a full concentration of a four-year college study degree in mental health. So again, it's very brief for brief intervention, and it wouldn't hurt them to go through it every six months or repetitively because uh, we can have all the knowledge in the world, and if we don't practice it and make it perfect sense, then... It does us no good. Well, if, if, if they're not if, going to be using it every if, single. If, if as much time was spent on um, target practice and shooting practice as on mental health practice, you, we might have some beginning of a solution, maybe, perhaps. You know, yeah. we will oh, hope. that is so true. <laughs> Absolutely agree because when you think about it, you know, I used to work for Fort Worth Police Department, and. Um, didn't want to keep showing up to homicide suicides and Mm. children in shackles Mm. and walking in front of my desk, like working with special, I worked in the special victims unit and now returning Mm. back to Hawaii and a Tatiana Jefferson being killed in her home just down the street. I did do big brothers, big sisters. My little sister lives up two blocks from her, was shot and killed in her own home. We can't play video games in our homes now. And, and that young man who was there with a Tatiana Jefferson, the, her nephew, was just seven years old. Mm. And his, mm. ma, his mother recently passed away, Amber Carr, around my age. Police violence not only kills the person, it is systemic and it's harming to the community. This young man has now lost his aunt to police violence. His mother died of um, heart failure. Um, I want to mahalo um, attorney Lee Merritt, who has been fighting these fights uh, throughout um, throughout the United States. But we have to get real about it, as uh, Dr. Shirley said, because it's not just the person that's murdered. It's the family that's affected. And whether you know that person or not, that impacts, though I was 4,000 miles away, my little sister lives two blocks from where Tatiana was mm. murdered. The pain that my heart felt having worked with those officers and begged for a diversity, equity, inclusion training. Can we have this? Can we have what they were talking about? Can we have mental health? When is enough enough? Now, that's a very big question. And, uh, you know, at some point, you know, people say, stop feeling just the pain and they react with anger. And, uh, you know, we see we see this for a good reason. Right. I mean, this is like 
how can you not react in some way? You know, um, I want to thank both of you, um, Shirley and Michael. Um, we have our next guest in the studio, so I'm going to continue here with our conversation with Leslie, and, and we're going to move on and talk also to another wonderful guest who's come in. Um, but I do want to remind people, this is going to be something that they'll be able to participate in and see this Sunday, a wonderful Zoom uh, event that's happening through our wonderful friends who are celebrating Black History Month through the African Americans on Maui Association. It's this Sunday, by the way, and it's going to be, um, you can go to African American, that's African Americans on Maui.com. Um, if you don't remember this password, there's a password and it's rather long. And I know when you're driving, it's hard to get that all. So I'm just going to say go to African Americans on Maui, or you can call them at 808 341 3458, 808 three four one three four five eight and thank you michael and thank you shirley for your wisdom and your insight and your input we i really appreciate you taking the time to call in today thank, thank you so thank much, you much. we really thank, appreciate the opportunity and yes please do come out and join us on our zoom uh, broadcast event on february the 12th starting at 10 a.m thank you so much aloha aloha and I'm really happy and excited, actually. Um, I don't know if I can read the five-page bio that I have on you. Um, it, it, right. it's, it's, it's a rather... <laughs> let me bring up your mic. It's, it's a rather long bio, and I have to say I'm super, super impressed. But I want to make sure I pronounce your name right. Osayande Baruti? Correct. Um, and listen to his voice. He's, he's got quite an amazing background. Um, in good. Musical theater and um, one of our heroes, in fact, our general manager here, actually had a chance to um, interview and talk to one of the wonderful shows <laughs> that you... I'm sorry, my mic is jumping up here. I'm laughing because my mic's going way over my head, um, which is Paul Robeson, who was, I think, not given enough... I mean, people know he sang Old Man River, but I don't know if they know his background like you do because you were able to represent him in your... Was that a musical uh, theater show, or how did you do the Paul no, Robeson? The Paul Robeson is a, I have a one-man show on Paul Robeson. And a friend of mine who knew I was doing that went to Carnegie Hall to do his uh, new show, and they asked me to come and be a special guest. What they didn't tell me was that I was going to sing a Paul Robeson song. Oh, my. And so uh, <laughs> there on the same stage in Carnegie Hall as Paul Robeson stood, I, I went and stood right on his uh, spot. Ah. And uh, I sang uh, Mammy's Little Kinky-Headed Boy. Wow. Which is one of the few um, spiritual songs that he sings that a lot of people don't know about. I, I didn't know about it. Do you know about it? No, I'm no. learning. And this I is know. such great, and especially during Black History Month, to learn this from you. It's amazing. Well, and, and Paul Robeson, um, in his own way, broke a lot of barriers. Of course, Old Man River. You know, I mean, they did not want to have a black person sing that. As I remember my That's history, right. it's a, it's 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 in the, it's created in the show as to express this amazingly powerful song, Old Man River, and they were going to have someone who wasn't black sing it. Yes, because they didn't want to riot, <laughs> because they didn't quite understand how powerful the song was. Uh, but when he did it. And they started crying and saying, okay, this is the way it should be interpreted. Everything is interpretation. Yeah. And his interpretation was so powerful that they had to put it in the movie. And uh, it changed the world of it movies. Did. It changed it did. the world of movies, that's for sure. You know, it's so funny. I have a friend I've done um, quite a few CDs with um, who's from India but has been in Sacramento now most all of his life and is working actually with the government there. And I've worked on a lot of projects with him. Um, and I said, well, after our last one, I said, what's the new project? He says, I want to do a movie on Paul Robeson. I said, Paul Robeson? Why would, you're from India? Why would you? He says, Paul Robeson was a huge influence in India. I said, what? He said, yes, because of his stance on civil rights and how he broke down the walls. And I had no idea that it had reached not just America, but it had reached around the world and to yes. India. Yes. Matter of fact, I just sent an email. I'm doing correspondence with some people from Glasgow because he was their May Day Parade guest of honor Wow. Uh, 35, 40 years ago. Huh. And so I said, well, 
maybe you can have me come by and, you know, come on. I'll just come on by, you know, Scotland. And uh, so we're talking about that now because this is the 125th anniversary of his birthday. Amazing. On is April really? the 9th. And they are quite interested in that. So we're, we're talking. Oh, you have to keep us up to date. Oh, yeah. What, oh, an, yeah. what an, so, so when was the, I mean, how do you sing that song? I mean, because everyone in their mind has Paul Robeson. Carefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because that takes such, of course, you can hear in your pipes that you, but it, it takes not just the singing, right? It takes that soul of that song. Again, it's interpretation. Some of the lines that he interpreted, I, wouldn't, I didn't do it that way. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's all about who the person is that's singing the song. That's true. If you don't understand the song, you cannot sing the song. If you haven't lived the song, you can't sing the song. Mm-hmm. So being that, you know, I sort of understood the song, I did it my way, but with my inflections, but I did it with him on the stage next to me telling me how to sing it. So that's how I got away with it. And uh, I just did it last February for his his 124th birthday, me and Jamaluddin Takuma. He has a show, and he asked me to do Paul Robeson. And when I asked everyone what was the song they liked the best, we did 16 songs, and everybody said Old Man River. So I was pretty shocked because I was sure they were not going to say Old Man River. I didn't think I did it good that night, but that's what they said. They said, your interpretation just took us to another place. Wow. I don't know, Leslie. Should we ask him to sing a couple bars? I mean, you must have oh, gotten into my I, mind because I, I, I was, I need to feel that. I, I need to hear that. Not ready. Okay. And I, I just, I would love for you to bless us if you can with a little, a small piece. You know, he's with his voice. So I, I don't to. know if I can do Old Man River. Maybe. Um. Or, or something because we've, we've got to. How she loves you when you have to hear her call. Angels creeping while you're sleeping. Closer in my arms, fill me with your charms. Mommy's little kinky-headed boy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Goes right through Mommy's you. Mommy's little <laughs> kinky-headed boy. Oh. Beautiful. Mm. <laughs> Your voice resonates through the body. Um, I don't know if people can hear it through the microphone, but here in this room, you can hear that voice going through you. Yes. And you know, one thing is, having been involved in music most of my life, music can heal. Yes, it can. Music can heal, and music can inspire. Absolutely. And a lot of things can happen in music and song that you couldn't even say as much, maybe, in words. Um, I, I mean, I have to go back to that moment, that terrible, when there was the death, and Barack Obama and doesn't have a great voice, but when he sang... Amazing Grace, mm-hmm. how even if you can't sing it well, just the intention of joining people together yes. where words couldn't with a song um, brought the group together, right? And yeah. then it, when people saw it, it brought the world together a lot, right? Absolutely. My mom is a stroke survivor. Um, thank God she's going to celebrate 18 years since we almost lost her to a major stroke. And my brother... My mom is Rainy Doc Matthews, and she's back here living on Maui. My brother, um, we've been a, a musical family. And so that, what you just sang, spoke to my heart because it was music that helped unlock to bring my mom's m- mind and body back to life. My mom, my brother said, to tap this, let's do this melody together, Mom. And so when you talk about what the power that music has, mm-hmm. and when you shared your gifting, that brings me back to that is the thing that helped my mom. Oh, we're going to celebrate her 72nd birthday this month. So uh, thank you the for magic music. Of that. The magic and, of music. And, you know, there was a, I just watched a PBS video about how the tuning the mind, it's called. And mm-hmm. it's talking about how they're taking, we were talking about the problems with mental health. And they're taking people with PTSD now and, and 
teaching them songs and making them sing and how that singing is bringing out that other part of them that was buried because of the violence they experienced. They mm -hmm. shut their heart down and their feelings down and all of a sudden through song. Um, and not only that, um, people with autism. You know, Glenn Campbell, you know the story of Glenn Campbell. He couldn't, he had Alzheimer's, he couldn't remember anything. And Tony Bennett, you saw, did you see that PBS show on Tony yes. Bennett? Yes, That moment where he, he didn't know anything and he goes out on stage. And he can sing. And he can sing, you know. And and you have that gift with yes. your music. So how did you land up here on Maui with us? You've been to New York, you've been all around the world. Well, I, was, I lived in Waikiki from uh, 96 to 2002. And uh, I made a CD here called Unforgettable in Honolulu. I do a tribute to Nat King Cole. Wow. And matter of fact, I did it at Cafe Sistine in Waikiki about six or seven times. And his brother came to one of the shows and was uh, crying because I sang a song that he hadn't heard in a long time. And he wow. said, you brought back, you know, Nat King Cole. We're both Pisces, so I sort of really understand Matt King Cole. But uh, yeah, so I did that while I was in Waikiki and I was a motivational trainer. I train all over the world. What do you train? How to be a better person. Literally, everyone says, what is motivational training? I said, "All any forget the topic. It's not about the topic. It's about being a better person, no matter what you wanna do. Mm -hmm. No matter who you are, just be a better person. And uh, so now it looks like I may have a TV show based on that called Chasing Rainbows. I love that. Mm. Sounds like something we do in Hawaii every day. Every day. Right, right, every day. <laughs> so um, a friend of mine from Tennessee wrote a beautiful song. They gave it to me to sing, and I turned it into a, a television program. So hopefully it'll be on, so on next So who did year. the screen writing on that? Did you write that? It's my show. I created it. You created Chasing it. Chasing Rainbows. So yeah. you're going to have to have music in there. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be music on there, but every week we're going to take a different person and we're going to change their life and we're going to ask them who was the person that most influenced you and we're going to bring them wherever they are in the world to the studio. Oh, so it'll be a, kind of a, a real, you know, reality TV. It's, it's a reality TV variety show. Oh, I Never like been that. done no, before. No, 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 no. That's, that's pretty amazing. It's different. You know, there's so many ways we're trying to join the world together in a positive way. And mm -hmm. I see your beautiful energy and feel it here. And I'm going, this is the kind of energy that transforms, you know. Um, but it, it, it takes a lot longer than we want it to. <laughs> you know, we, yes, it does. It, it, it takes so much patience, you know. When you, you see the truth and, and you see and know the truth. And you can't help but wonder how long... You know, it, how long is this going to take, you know? It's going to take forever because every generation spawns more problems, mm. different problems. Mm -hmm. Even though we think they're the same, they're very different. I do not understand the generational problems that's going on with the 20-year-olds, and they don't understand the 60-year-olds. Yeah. yeah. But everybody has to have their people helping them in their generation. Yeah. And mostly everyone who I help is over 50. It's a lot of people over 50 who are totally lost. Sadly to say it, it really is. Yeah. And then, you know, having that opportunity, because I can learn so much from you, you know, having that opportunity to build community with uncommon allies. And though the generations change, how do we learn? How do we learn from each other? And getting together and sharing music and sharing culture and sharing life experiences so that- Well, it used to be church. And, you know, that's a good place. That's <laughs> it's a, not. Yeah. Anyway, but, you know, it, it, you know, I'm sure your family and, you know, you remember going in Aretha Franklin's family mm -hmm. and all those, you know, you go back to probably was not think yeah. it was church. Mm -hmm. right. First time I sang was in church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And whether it's that physical church, both of my parents are ministers. Um, my dad was a minister of music right here in, 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 on Maui. And, um it's also bringing that church to the community and making sure the community feels love. You know, the Bible says they will know you by their love. They will know me by their love for me. So how are we loving people first, right? Mm -hmm. How are we letting that love show? Are we showing that through music, through culture, through food? Here in Hawaii, we love to gather over food. Food <laughs> works wonders you know? and aloha works miracles. Yeah. And you know, and, and we know, we know this, but yet sometimes. <laughs> we forget mm -hmm. you know sometimes 
We forget, and we don't know it. You know what happens is when we forget, then we have to remember, oh, that was, look back and go, oh, that was what happened, mm -hmm. and go deeper to the part you don't want to remember. Oh, oh, my gosh, maybe that, and then it's like back on yourself, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that's what we need to start emphasizing in uh, Black History Month, mm. because a lot of people um, don't really understand how serious and important it is mm -hmm. to, uh, to other people around the world who are not Americans, who really want to understand why we're still here. And I cannot tell you how heavy that is. It is. And we get a chance to do that with Black History Month around the world, because for whatever reason, commercialism works when it's done the right way. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is what, why I love uh, Black History Month. I'm, I'm always doing something during Black History Month. Mm -hmm. Education is a beautiful thing, and I have to say on PBS, I've seen some amazing shows that have been very inspiring, mm -hmm. um, and they are doing their part, I believe, really. Uh, what's the name of that show with the guy that goes back into the roots and looks back at the Gates. people? That's an amazing. It's an amazing It's an journey. amazing. And you see, you know, the awakening in people's faces, and some of them, some of the white people had slaves, and some of the white people had black ancestors they didn't know about, and some of the black people had white ancestors they didn't know about. And there was all this, these going, wow, you see, it is all combined in well, one, you know? <laughs> I tell everyone, go get your DNA done. My ancestry came up with 7% Scottish. Well, there you go. In my DNA. So there you go. And if people know their history, yeah. which I didn't, I had to go find out how that happened. And when I did, it was remarkable because a Scottish man wrote a book about it. Really? Yes, he wrote a book about how his grandmother hated African Americans, and he could never understand why. And then he found out that her grandmother was uh, brought to America by the King of England, sent them over there, and they put them on a farm with the black slaves. Wow. That's now, what, what an amazing story. Oh, so amazing. Could be, that could be another show you could do. <laughs> <laughs> it could just be another interesting show you That's could do. That's an interesting story. Yes, it is. But how beautiful is that, that you get to talk with people from all over the world, you know, and have that worldview um, and see that we are more, you know, we are people. Um, we're one. We're one. Yeah. We are one. I was watching the Grammys just the other day, <laughs> and they had the 50th um anniversary of hip-hop and you had just the different generations coming and it was beautiful expression of culture and music and I just was like I love this and then you remember how far we've come just in that movement but if we're talking to people we see we're people we're one our our culture transcends everything yeah. you can see black history and black culture and a touch of everything and so if we can get around that and see and, and get past the things that keep us divided. And how do we love one another? How do we experience, like you're saying, getting to, and I have to admit, I was a little bit afraid to do my DNA because um, I was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to find or is my history it's, it's, written? It's scary. You is should it? do it. You have and to I do it. And I did it. And oh, I love it. I'm exploring. Isn't that, isn't that powerful? It's powerful. I'm finding old pictures and I'm finding registries and it, it had to get past that fear because I said, I don't know what my history is going to be as a black, as a black person, because our history was different. <laughs> but there's so but get past that, get to know who you are, get to know people that are different from you, because if you're only speaking to people that think the way you think, look the way you look, you, how do you expand your horizon? Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty. So thank you. It. You must well, have spoke to me I, several I just, years ago. Actually, on that show, I just saw Viola Davis was on one of the least episodes, and she just got the EGOT. Um, she's gotten all the awards now. And, and, and you know, and on top on the show, you, you, you mentioned the hip-hop. Well, before that, they had the show. Who else was there? Stevie Wonder. Yes, you know, I mean, and, and that, You know, so we all can appreciate that. Mm -hmm. But then we've got to realize that's us, too, you know. That's yeah. that's me as a white person as well. I mean, I that's music I grew up with, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love, you know. I mean, biggest album was actually done by Fulton Tushambi, you wow. know. And Fulton, you know, I don't know if you knew Fulton Tushambi. Yeah. What an amazing guy he was. Great musician. Um, and so, you know, that's that's me also, you know. Some of my yeah. best music was done with people. I'm doing a new album with a lady that's the uh, first African-American head of the Grammy chapter in San Francisco. And I'm doing about her overcoming cancer called You Are a Miracle. Wow. You know, and, and you know, you see people's soul, there's no color in the soul. 
You don't have color in a soul. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have color in an aura. You don't have color in that at all, you know. So what is this judging people by a color, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what do you got there? Ooh, that's my see. CD from Unforgettable in Honolulu, 1997, Waikiki, and that's from Tower Bookstore. Okay, you got to do one song now. I mean, you're no, going to bring that I, out. You got to do a song. I, I mean, Unforgettable, you, you might have to oh, do Unforgettable. Everybody <laughs> wants you to do the two songs that a singer never wants to sing in <laughs> well, person you called because it unforgettable. they're too it's right hard here. to do. It's right. it's a, I could play it. I was going very out. smart because I didn't sing Unforgettable on this CD. <laughs> That's a part two. That was it's very smart. Joy. That was very smart. Very smart. <laughs> but yes, I I, uh, I love doing that. And there were some incredible musicians living here then. Jerry uh, Martini from Sly and the Family Stone. Master Henry Gibson from Curtis Mayfield. And wow. Nick Pointer used to hang out in Waikiki. I mean, it was all of us were here at that same time. So there were some incredible combinations of artists. And we just kept grooving and changing the form and everything. It was wonderful then. Well, I sure hope you will join us on Sunday if you have some time um, to just share a little bit. Uh, Sunday, African Americans uh, African Americans on Maori Association is going to be having our Black History event, and I just think that what you're sharing is absolutely incredible. So if you're able to join us, and we're going to keep it short because we know it's the Rihanna concert is that day, oh. a.k.a. the Super Bowl. <gasps> oh, my gosh, that's but, right. But what a beautiful day because But it's at 10, it's, so it'll be before. It's at 10, so you can still catch the game. But it is history. We have um, the, first two, the first time in history that two black um, quarterbacks are going to be taking in the Super Bowl. We have Rihanna that's going to be there, so come and join us. Um, African Americans on Maui Association at 10 a.m. Um, and incredible history that we're talking about. Unforgettable in Honolulu. The work that you're doing, Paul Robeson. I mean, my goodness, you, my friend, are history. You are Black history. That's what my daughter says. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the number, if you want information, 808. 808- Three four one three four five eight. That's eight zero eight three four one three four five eight. I'd be amiss if I didn't give a shout out to Ian Adams, who's been working hard behind the scenes, um, getting this together as well, and um, working hard for a long time on Maui here with this. Um, if you want the password for the Zoom, it's F L H eight zero eight eight zero eight. Easy to remember. F L H eight zero eight. Um, and, uh, you know, there's also a number here, 698-305-9935. Uh, it's hard to remember all that. So you can go to African, um, African Americans on Maui. There's a, a poster there. Scroll down to uh, the bottom of events, and that has that all there for you. Uh, we only have a, like a minute and a half. Um, we are going to, I want to remind people, we will be airing the State of the Union address at 4 o'clock on this radio station. Um, and I have to really say thank you to everyone. I'm Wonderful people. I mean, you know, both of you and to talk earlier, I, mean, I was just really inspired by the people who were giving insight and information into trying to figure out how we solve um, these situations and make the world a better place. You know, um, I, I, I thank Shirley as well. Um, and I am I, really appreciative also for Michael Oliver Armstrong for calling it. Uh, Leslie Matthews, what a difference you're making uh, managing attorney here, first black, I think, first black lawyer that's taken on, uh, that was working with the prosecutor's office, is that correct? Yeah, when I was serving at the prosecutor's office, I was the only black female prosecutor in the entire state of Hawaii. So changing the world. Um, if you, we're, we're going into spaces that we were traditionally designed to be kept out of and making a difference and bringing people in, bringing the community in and going out to the community. And so that's what my law firm's all about is meeting people right where they are. Thank you for that. And thank you so much. What a treat to meet you. And um, I, I hope everyone takes some time to learn a little bit this month. You know, look up some of these shows, uh, find out a little bit more, become aware. And thank you so much for listening and aloha. Aloha. aloha.